Hello, this is Hers to Tell, Season 1, Episode 4, on March 8th, and this is your host, Christine Anjard. Hers to Tell is a podcast that is for anyone who might be struggling with anxiety, maybe some insecurity, or just someone who needs a boost of confidence. At Hers to Tell, we will interview and bring together women who are willing to share their stories of struggles and overcoming adversity, which will lend advice to anyone who might be struggling with the same thing. We'll also cover other topics that will include attracting more positivity in your everyday life, advice from a wellness coach um, and a licensed counselor, which we have today, and breathing techniques that will help you eliminate anxieties. These tools and advice from everyday women will help us to build a community that truly surrounds people with love and support. That being said, tonight we have Miss Sarah here. Sarah and I became connected through a mutual acquaintance, Jessica, who works right next to Sarah. So Sarah, it's great to formally meet you in person, and I'm just so happy that you could join us tonight. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your practice and your background? Yeah, sure. So I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, I've been in private practice almost a year. I was doing part-time private practice, went full-time last year. And before that, I was in school counseling. Um, So I actually worked in schools for about six years. Yeah, before going out on my own and before doing, yeah, a little bit more individual work and long-term work with clients. And I, I started all of this right at the end of college. I started working on a suicide hotline. So it was really intense work, but that's what got me really interested in counseling. And so around that time, I applied to graduate schools and went to the University of North Carolina, had a great experience, and then moved to Colorado. Yeah, and then obviously the rest (laughs) of the story, I was working in schools and then, yeah, now in Denver and have transitioned to, to private counseling. Can you tell me a little bit more about what spiked your passion for counseling specifically? Yeah. Gosh, it's such a a funny story because when I'm looking back on this whole experience in college, I'm amazed that I decided to go and do that. It initially started because I was doing peer counseling work um, at the counseling center at College of Charleston where I went to undergrad um, and really loved it. They happened to have a training for this crisis hotline and so I thought oh that would be really interesting and a cool way to give back yeah so I was you know just it's piqued my interest I figured I'll go to the training and if I'm any good at it I'll do it and if you know if I'm bad at it (laughs) which obviously would be a fear right oh my goodness it's such a scary thing Mm -hmm. such a big responsibility but I I liked it and I ended up doing it for the rest of college and it was a really it was a really important experience for me i think i got just really invested in the idea of helping people and service and that being a really really big part of my life and something that i needed to feel like as as fulfilled as i could mm-hmm. yeah so that was when i decided i wanted to work in counseling and the young people i talked to i think they got me really interested. I mean, there was so much hope for them that they couldn't really see. And that was something that I wanted to work with them on, on a more individual level. The hard thing about crisis is 
you don't ever get to follow up. You don't get to see what actually happens with people. You just mm-hmm. ha- you handle the situation in a really temporary fix kind of way. So I wanted more follow up and I wanted to be able to do more work with people and be able to have a relationship with them, you know, over a period of time to be able to help. You were doing that prevention that suicide mm-hmm. prevention line. Yes. You were doing that on top of classes too, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. Wow. It was a kind of after school thing for me and I was double majoring at the time, so I was doing a lot. But I, you know, those days, it's it's hard being in college. You're not really, unless you're working hard to give back, you're doing a lot of self-serving stuff, right? You're just kind of focusing on you. It's easy to get down, mm-hmm. right, when you're not helping other people. I think it really is kind of easy to get caught up in your own stuff and forget. So mm-hmm. I was on a mission to try to feel better at the time. I was feeling, you know, a little less fulfilled than I wanted to be. And then when I transitioned to school counseling it was a whole nother wild transition I think the hardest thing transitioning to that was I had to get a little bit more of a backbone but all in all so great I mean I I met so many amazing kids every all the kids were so awesome the families were really great I got so much good experience with helping with communication you know I mean it's, it was a really good way to build skills. So now that I'm in private practice, I'm able to take those with me and that's helped me more than I think I ever realized it would. I think now that I'm, you know, on my own, it has its own, you know, new set of challenges. But if I hadn't had those experiences before, I would be having a lot harder of a time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad that I had those. Yeah. But now you're so happy and you're fulfilled <laughs> and you're passionate yeah everything is perfect you know I mean it, it is it's wonderful it's great it's a whole new set of challenges like I mentioned a little bit ago but it's it's great work there is a question that I would like to start with yeah that sure. is from one of our listeners cool if you wouldn't mind helping yes so it's so easy to remember our past and to dwell on mistakes. Big mm-hmm. mistakes, small mistakes, mm-hmm. mistakes from yesterday, mistakes from years ago. Mm-hmm. How can we help train our minds to stop dwelling on the mistake and mm-hmm. get over it? Mm-hmm. Or stop potentially dwelling on like a, a grievance or just those like mm-hmm. negative things that you're holding on to? Yeah. So how can we stop dwelling on that? and move forward into the future? Well, I think it brings to mind several things. One of the things that I say a lot is that anxiety, it's sort of like uh, ruminating thoughts like that where they kind of keep cycling back around, is that those are a call to action. So if there's something that can be done, then obviously that's your sign, that's your message, right? That's your brain telling you, this is your moment, right? Mm -hmm. To make a change or to do something different. You know, if you're harboring guilt interpersonally to be able to reach out to that person and really try to resolve whatever, you know, went on and that sort of thing. Or if you feel you've made a mistake and you're, you're beating yourself up for it. Right. Only, right. Then to be able to say, is there anything that I can truly do here? Is there action to be taken? And if there is, then this is your sign. If there isn't, this is the hardest thing. There are a lot of things that we don't control, right? Outside of ourselves. 
So if we can't control our environment, then it's more, it's, it's grappling within. So obviously again, looking externally, is there anything I can do? Okay, maybe not, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is where the idea of radical acceptance comes in. It's the idea that everything in your life has brought you to this point in time and your feelings at this point don't control anything other than, you know, the way that you feel. So mm -hmm. essentially, you know, by feeling upset or by feeling guilty, angry, sad, any of the things, none of it will change, right? Mm -hmm. So it's being able to truly say, I don't agree with the situation that I'm in. I don't have to condone it, right? I don't have to say this is great and feel happy about it, but to be able to accept it just as something that has happened or, or, you know, the circumstance that you're in, here I am, this is it. And my feelings that I'm having now, they aren't going to impact the actual situation that I'm in. Are there other tips that you have for enhancing that message, like mm -hmm. verbal affirmation or do, sure. you, or do you just like keep thinking about it and it'll get better? <laughs> how, to practice, yeah, how to practice radical acceptance. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I do think it's mind work. I think that it's catching yourself. And this actually, this is huge. I'm a cognitive behavior therapist, so this is really important to me. I do a lot of mind work. And if you find yourself ruminating and you find yourself having a lot of thoughts that are not necessarily helpful for you, right? That's the big question. Does this help me? Is it actually, is it prompting me to do something like I mentioned a minute ago? Or is it just haunting me? Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those times where I feel like it's worth writing down. Not necessarily journaling, although I do think that that could be helpful. I actually have a pretty strong affinity for this technique called the three column technique. Bear with me. All okay, right. I got my <laughs> pen and paper ready. <laughs> you make three columns on a piece of paper. And um, first column, you write down negative thoughts that you have. Automatic, we call them automatic negative thoughts. Okay, so you write them there. Could be something like, I got another negative comment on my work performance today. And I'm, I'm terrible at my job. I'm not going to get any better at this rate. Right? Something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, so you'd write something like that down. That would be the thought. The next column is where you write down kind of what mental habit you're breaking. That's a tough one. I know. So <laughs> there's so many. There's, I think there are 10 general ones. You guys, I mean, you can look this up. This is really cool. Cognitive distortions are what they're called. But I just call them kind of bad mental habits. Mm -hmm. For 28 years, I've been working on my mental habits. Some of them good, some of them bad, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And same for you. So it's one of these things where I think it's worth noting that our brains are really good at doing a lot of things, but they're not great at doing everything. They try to create patterns for us to make our lives easier. That's where judgment comes in and a lot of negative self-talk comes in. So essentially, cognitive distortions are just words for the different types of mental habits that we break. So for example, overgeneralization. Okay, so saying, you know, basically because this went wrong, everything else is wrong. Or, right. Right, like, yeah, I mean, you could say labeling also, right? So because this happened, so you got that negative work performance there, now you're a failure at work. That word mm -hmm. failure, it's so heavy. Mm -hmm. And it's a big label. 
So could be labeling, could be personalization. So basically blaming yourself. There's a lot of different, I mean, I think, again, there are a ton of them. But you'd write down what mental habit you're breaking in the second column. And then the third column is a rephrase, a reframe, I guess you could also say. So you're basically, you're trying to look at what the actual truth is. So this isn't like all sunshine rainbows, like let's mm-hmm. think positively, let's only think about good things. It's, it's not that. It's meant to actually check in with reality here. Mm-hmm. The reality of that situation is that person got a negative performance review, but that's kind of it. I always ask people when they're having a hard time with that column, I always say, what evidence do you have? Is it true? Are you right? Mm -hmm. Does that actually make you a failure? Does it actually mean that fortune telling you're going, you're going to do badly at this job forever, which was one part of my example. So looking at that third column, really being able to, to reframe the thought, to totally rewrite it. So I think, I think the main word being realistic, it's okay, you know, to say, all right, I, I got a negative work performance and that makes me feel sad, right? I mean, I think that's okay. That's realistic, mm-hmm. right? I don't think it's going to be possible for us to just constantly get negative feedback and totally be able to spit it the other way every time immediately. That's going to be hard. Right. But to be able to accept it and say, okay, I, I have this negative review and, you know, either here's what I'm going to do next or it's okay, I'm human, I am allowed to make mistakes every once in a while. To really rationalize through and say, how much is fair for me to get negative with myself about? Is it fair to myself? Am I punishing myself here? Do I deserve to be punished by thinking this way? So really trying to reframe it. Now, I will tell you one thing. This is hard to do. Right. I often will sit with people for a long period of time going through their thought records and help them reframe them. That's part of what I do, actually. And that sounds so clinical. It doesn't have to be that way. But it's important to get in touch with what your thoughts are. Mm -hmm. Cognitive behavior therapy is all about the idea that your thoughts dictate your feelings and your feelings dictate your behaviors. And it mm-hmm. just goes around in a constant cycle. Your behaviors then create a, conse- you know, a consequence and you have a thought about that and you process and then you have a feeling about it and you behave again. So it's just a circle. So if you're gonna be thinking, I'm a failure and I'm never gonna do better at this job, mm-hmm. it's gonna be really hard to help yourself believe that, that you really can do better. It's gonna be hard to self-motivate and to create change. And what makes it harder, mm-hmm. I personally don't see people posting on Instagram like, I'm really struggling and I need help. It's mm-hmm. just like, here's the best image that I found from the week. Yeah. So how do you, like, with all of these other influences in mind, mm-hmm. like, how do you keep pushing people in the right direction when there's all these things against you, potentially? Yeah. Right, yeah. I think I think there is. I think... A, acknowledging that there's a lot against us, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. just that thought alone, right? Acknowledging that, hey, my Instagram feed's making me feel bad, right? Just putting a name on how you're feeling, right? Or I'm feeling down on myself, right? Acknowledging that in the first place is important. Sometimes people will, they'll look, but they don't really, they're not present and they're not really thinking, oh, this is making me feel bad. And then an hour later, they've gone through the, you know, they've gone through it for a while. Yeah, so I think slowing down enough to actually acknowledge that that's what's happening, A. But 
B, um, it's, you know, it's, it's again, it's checking in. When you have a negative emotion, my charge to you would be to acknowledge what thought you had right before that emotion happened. It's really hard to do. Because remember, 28, 29 years mm-hmm. of mental habit creates patterns, makes our brain quick, and doesn't have to put forth as much effort because we've established these kind of easy pathways and easy patterns, right? Tricks that our brains will play. And it's, so it's hard to acknowledge that thought and to actually be present enough to, to witness it as it mm-hmm. comes up. But people get better and better at that over time. The more you can be aware of your thoughts, the better you're going to be at thought tracking and then reframing the thoughts based on true evidence and reality. So, I mean, my evidence in the Instagram situation (laughs) would be, I know that these people that are on here are using this as a business tool. This is how they get paid. This is how they make money. This is their job. And really acknowledging that that's truly what's happening here. They're advertisers. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're, maybe it's not though, right? Potentially. Potentially. It could be friends. It could be friends. It could be friends, mm-hmm. yeah. I think when it's when it comes to influencers, that's really important to acknowledge that it's business. Right. Yeah. I think that's what I was thinking of. But you're right. Yeah, when it comes to friends, that's harder. When we're making comparisons with other people in general, it can be really difficult. Just anyone. It could be people you know at work. Right. Yes, it could be anyone. Um, Because especially if you're feeling negative, I mean, I can't mm -hmm. necessarily speak to our the person who asked the original question, which like you know, dwelling on potential like negative thoughts. Right. Like if you're just flipping through Instagram and you're like, oh, this person's getting married, this person's having a baby, it's hard to not be like. Well, I'm not married. Well, I don't have a baby. So clearly I'm not doing anything right. Right. And that's when you fall into that spiral. Right. Oh man, it's so hard. Yeah. Your spiral, remember that that spiral is useful. That spiral does tell you something. So it's your call to action. It's, It's reminding you that something's up. And so without that reminder and without that comparison, those same thoughts technically are there. Those same beliefs that you have. This is hard, isn't it, to say even. But it the, is hard. Yeah. That the thought that, that you're not where you want to be or that you want something different in life is there whether they're there to remind you of it or not. So being mm-hmm. able to really look at your life and say, you know, what's in my control and what isn't? What do I have that I am grateful for? What can I change? What can't I? You know, I think that it's it's more of a self-reflection and a self self-awareness call to action than anything it's to be able to look back and say hang on what's up with me right now and I think I think that there's a lot of support to be found in other people in that instance I think that's really important part of being a therapist that I love Mm -hmm. is being able to support people and being able to validate them and say like I totally get it like I'm here for you that's not easy right Mm -hmm. but having friends to do that having you know other social connection and, and, you know, if, if you find yourself in a place where you're not having as much of that as you like, that being another call to action, that being something that hopefully will prompt you to take action and and help yourself be able to go and find those things. Discomfort. It, again, it's call to action. So it's it's meant to kind of prompt you to do something. But it's so it can be so hard sometimes when all you can think about is, 
potentially comparing yourself or seeing your mistakes or seeing your failures, not seeing the, yeah, the good. So I think that, I mean, you've spoken to this before, um, and this is a good segue to the next question. (laughs) So are there any specific tips that you can share that will help shift our minds from negative to positive other than the the three column (laughs) Uh, honestly the three column uh, exercise yeah I will say I will say for that exercise it's one of the most important things that you could do for yourself I know that it sounds so it sounds unapproachable for a second you can find tons of examples online because this is not something that I've come up with this is a whole school of Mm -hmm. of therapy sure so being able to really start talking yourself through what are these mental habits that I have? What am I, it's really hard to be able to help yourself with negative thoughts without actually knowing what they are in the first place. You really have to be aware of which ones are coming up. What I often find with people when we're going through their thought record is the same ones come up all the time. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty easy to see after even just a few days what kind of thought patterns you have that are taking you down that path in the first place, making you feel, you know, any negative emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> Other things too. Well, I think, you know, important in, in, especially in distress situations. So let's say you're feeling really in crisis, kind of, you know, people say like mental breakdown, full, full out kind mm-hmm. of mode, right? Right. Maybe could even feel like panic attack, could feel like, you know, just sort of emotionally falling apart, could be just all out bawling, you know, kind of Feels intense Feels like you're emotion. not in control. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Nice. Yes, exactly. You're totally lost control and your emotions have you. I might have been there before. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's we fun. both have. I don't know. No, we all have. It's it's such a thing. Um, and it's, it's so human of us to have had it. And I think everyone has in some form or another. Um, when you're in that state, you're not actually thinking clearly, which makes cognitive behavior therapy and the three column techniques seem so trivial, right? You're not going to sit down in that moment and start your thought record. That's not going to be a thing. Definitely not. No. To be able to actually think clearly is important first, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, you're in this heightened fight or flight mode, right? Your instincts have taken over and you're kind of in this place where you're you're in self-preservation mode. So it's really cool and very human that we have that reaction to be able to keep us safe. I'm glad that I have that because I would have gotten hit by a bus by now, right? <laughs> it's important to have, you know, those, those emotions at all or the, you know, more of that reaction, that fight or flight reaction. But when that part of our brain has full control, it's really hard to integrate with frontal cortex, which is where we're doing a lot of decision-making and being really thoughtful and logical and all of those things. So one thing that I will try to set up for people is the idea that we want to be constantly integrating those two states of mind. So there's something really wonderful about the emotional mind. It's important, right? It has value. If we don't have it at all, we don't feel all those wonderful emotions that we can feel like joy and elation and all of these things. Mm-hmm. So we want that. I call it the emotional mind. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, we have the rational mind. 
So it's cool, it's collected, it's very logical, but it's not really bringing any emotion in. It's not really very joyful. The most important thing is that you put the two together. We call that wise mind. So it's acknowledging the middle path, right? Being able to actually have both and see the value in both. So a question that I'll ask is, where are you right now? Are you in your emotional mind only? Do we need to integrate and try to get into wise mind a little bit? And how do you do that? That's that's the big question. No, and I have I have an answer. Can't wait. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> no, I mean, it's so important to use behaviors that can actually get you there. So I have tons of tips and tricks, but one thing that I think is really cool is um, breath work, right? The other I would say is uh, progressive muscle relaxation. It's an exercise where you kind of move up and down the body, tensing the muscles and relaxing and pairing it with breath. Do you want to practice? Yes, I would love to. Okay, so take your toes and feet and curl them up. Try not to, to make your feet cramp. Okay, but just enough tension there. Use those muscles in your feet. And now breathe in deeply. And on the out breath, relax them. Okay, one more time with just the feet. And release. Awesome. Okay. Then you move to your calves. You see there's a there's a pattern. Then okay. you move to your calves. You tense up your calves on the in-breath. And relax them on the out. Okay. What you do is you move up the body doing this. It's so wonderful for sleep. If you're ever having a hard time sleeping, this is something I do probably a few times a week because it's so effective. When you actually look at exercises that relax the body, this is one of the best things that you can do. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Um, so what you do, and you can actually listen. They have YouTube videos that will walk you through the whole thing. They'll have, um, I'm sure that some of the meditation apps have it. It's not a body scan where you're just paying attention and being mindful of each body part. It's actually using physical tension and energy and then releasing it. So for people who are really um, dysregulated, where they're really at a heightened state of emotion or panic, this is so awesome because you can use that physical energy and tension up a little bit, right? And put it into basically something that has a purpose and a mission. You right. feel a little bit more in control. It's so awesome. Very, very cool. You actually go all the way to your face. Your face has muscles, so you might as well tense them up and then release them. It just looks goofy, but you, <laughs> but you can do it. Yeah, I know. Do you, it makes you want to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I or know. Try something. <laughs> yes, it's so great. And I think they've done a lot of research on what actually helps. There's this whole school of therapy um, called biofeedback therapy where they hook you up to monitor. I don't do this, but it's very cool. They hook you up to monitors and you can actually watch yourself relax during relaxation training because you're watching your heart rate, you're watching blood pressure, you're watching all these different biometrics. So you watch yourself actually relaxing and it gives you this sense of control over your own body and your own state of dysregulation and ability to move in the opposite direction towards regulation and towards feeling good again. This would be so helpful too in the morning Mm -hmm. to get your mind ready to Mm -hmm. take on the day. Totally. 
Yeah. And relaxed and intentional. Yeah. 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 It's an awesome practice. And the fact that it uses breath work as well makes it like just such a, it's such an amazing technique all in all. Yeah. It's one of the best ones that I have found. And I think it resonates with people because it's physical and behavioral. It's not just mind work. Right. So they're not like, oh, we're doing another, you know, reframe exercise. It's important to have a balance of both because you're in different states. Right. You know, you get dysregulated. This is a really good thing to be able to try. And you probably wouldn't recommend it in the car. Would not recommend it in the car. <laughs> Would not. I, you know, it's funny. I, I work with some younger people and it's hard because they want to be able to use things in public. Mm-hmm. Um, because let's say they're having a panic attack in class. Um, or they can feel one coming on and they kind of want to, they want to start, they want to try to stop it before it really takes control. Mm-hmm. But they're very aware of other people's awareness of them, right? They're very nervous that people will see them and think something negative or it will be embarrassing. So we do just kind of low body, right? I mean, you can tense up your feet. Nobody's really going to think much, especially if they're in shoes. Right. You can tense up your calves pretty minimally, you know, without people noticing, without a ton of movement. Mm -hmm. And the same with thighs, right? And even your core, when it comes to like arms and your face, it's a little more obvious what you're doing. Right. But honestly, it really, it doesn't take, it doesn't take your entire body to feel a little bit more relaxed. And again, a little bit more in control of your own self and state of mind. Hard question. Okay. Not talking from experience or anything, <laughs> but what if you're presenting and you're like sensing something coming sensing something coming on yeah this is yeah this is this is one of those things i actually have an additional skill do you want to hear it absolutely okay i would love to there's this thing (laughs) there's a technique called tip and it's an acronym stands for temperature intense exercise paced breathing and progressive muscle relaxation so okay um, or paired muscle relaxation, depending on who you're talking to, um, which just means paired with breath. We just did that. So okay. you know what the last step is. We just practiced it. That would be your last exercise in this whole little thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're, if you're feeling a, uh, a panic attack coming on or honestly anything where you start to feel a little bit out of control, this is something you can try. So temperature. <laughs> the ultimate this is going to sound a little crazy. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, it really works. I promise. <laughs> I didn't come up with this myself. This is okay. a lot of research. You splash your face with cold water. Or you actually put your face... I mean, this is be the ultimate. Would be putting your face in the sink or in a, in a little bowl of cold water. Okay. Do you hate me yet? I don't hate you, but what if you're like in the middle of a presentation and you can't get to it? I know. No, this, I know. This, there's a limitation to this technique. Take your water bottle and like throw it on your face or something. <laughs> the limitation to this technique is it is kind of hard to do in in uh, a public But setting. you could excuse yourself. You absolutely could. And if you're not, you know, I wear a lot of makeup. I don't want to put water on my face. I don't want to mess that up personally. Mm-hmm. So I would splash my neck. That why, the reason that I call it the ultimate is because if you actually put your face in cold water, you're forced to hold your breath for a second, and that initiates the dive reflex, which is a really okay. wonderful relaxation thing. You know when you see a baby swim class, and you you dunk the baby, mm-hmm. and it knows to hold its breath automatically? Mm-hmm. Really cool, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of doing that for yourself, and you're 
requiring yourself to hold your breath for a second. So it, it basically, your body, your brain, really, your your brain tells your body to relax in that moment. It's trying to conserve energy. There's a lot of thought behind why that works, but it's a relaxation technique in itself. So you start with that in the ideal world. Now, I actually run groups sometimes and we use cold packs. Okay. So, you know, I mean, let's say it's snowing outside. You could run outside hold some snow in your hands or Mm -hmm. you could run to the freezer and grab an ice cube if it's summer you know I mean there's just something to be said for uh kind of a shock with temperature okay I like it it's different right the next one is intense exercise which sounds a little crazy you're probably not going to do this in the presentation either (laughs) it's not like you're gonna have to go run a half marathon right no no don't have to go do that no you're just gonna no (laughs) you're just gonna hop up and down for a minute or do some mountain climbers really quickly on the floor. Something where you actually do get your heart rate up for a second, but it's not for a long period of time. I say a minute's fine. It's enough to actually get your heart rate moving. Honestly, more than enough for a lot of people. So just to be able to get your blood moving and again, give yourself something to do, a, an intention for your energy that you're experiencing in that moment. So that would be the next step. Then breathing. Breathing and muscle relaxation. So doing a little bit of paced breath that's just counting Mm -hmm. so I mean one that we use a lot is some box breathing you picture a square and on the top of the box you picture it being your inhale on the side of the box you hold you exhale on the bottom and then you hold as you go back up inhale on the top and you can kind of visualize the reason I like it is because it's a box that you can actually visualize when you're when you're somewhere when you ignite another sense right when you're using another sense it gets your brain even more occupied and even more invested in the new intention the new activity that you're doing mm-hmm. so you're able to say okay I'm not focused on the fact that I'm public speaking in a few minutes I'm focused on this box right <laughs> this box breathing my breath the way that I feel and visualization of the actual box itself. So it's just adding another, yeah, it's adding another element. So that would be an example, but there's a million different ways you could do it. If you just want to count, you could count, you know, five in, seven out. If you extend your out breath a little longer, it helps that parasympathetic nervous system get brought into the picture and it helps you relax a little bit more. I like it. Yeah. So anyway, that's, Uh, And then you do your muscle relaxation. Now that is actually something that we do a lot for panic attacks. That's something that we do. It's one of the the coolest ways for people to try to stop them before they really start. Mm -hmm. And again, there's something to be said for that sense of control that you get back. Right. Yeah. I think that might be one of the most important pieces of it, other than the actual physical sensations Mm -hmm. that you're getting. Yeah. I mean, starting with your breath, like the part and piece that makes you alive mm-hmm. and focusing on that I mean <laughs> yeah yeah it just recenters you so yeah. well even with the like two breaths that we did totally in addition to the breathing have you ever advised people to give themselves verbal or yeah outward words of affirmation like I totally. am awesome yeah. I got this yeah. I think you know again I think when you're doing um therapy especially for people who have a hard time believing those statements I mean they may not be feeling awesome and they may not be feeling that they've got it Mm -hmm. even if they state it over and over they're still not really believing it so my most important thing is when you're thinking of a mantra and you're thinking of a coping statement I call them coping statements Mm -hmm. 
you're coming up with your coping statements, it's important that you make them realistic and actually work for you, right? Your brain has to believe in it a tiny bit for it to be pretty effective. So it's important to try to get them at least a little bit closer to the reality. Now, it's not that you're not awesome or that you can't do it. <laughs> but something it more specific. <laughs> yeah, right. It can be something along the lines of, even though I feel nervous right now, I'll give you an example. I was going to speak with some kids last week. I was doing like a talk with children and um, I was nervous. Beforehand, I was doing this technique where I was breathing on the in-breath, I would think, even though I'm nervous right now, okay, so even though I'm nervous right now, on the in-breath, yep, and the out-breath, I would think my coping statement. My coping statement for the kids was, <laughs> they probably won't even remember five minutes after I leave. <laughs> now, so true. I, well, I mean, definitely for them, yeah. No, I mean, not. they certainly wouldn't remember if I made a mistake, which was more the idea, right? They wouldn't right. be thinking about my mistake. They're going to be thinking about either what they're about to have for lunch or maybe a takeaway from my talk, but not my mistake. Right. Maybe they'd think about how I handled the mistake. Maybe I handle it well, something like that. Right. But they're not going to be thinking negatively about me. They're not, I'm not going to go in and ruin their day with my talk. Right. So, so that was a pretty realistic way of thinking about it, I think. But I, it can be something positive. It can be, I know I can do this because in reality, we can. There are a lot of things that we can do. Mm -hmm. We're powerful people. We can do right. a lot. So as long as you can believe in it a small amount, mm -hmm. it's going to help you. If you don't, that is a whole kind of other conversation. It's like that becomes a question of, hang on, like why wouldn't that be true? And kind of getting to the deeper root of what's going on there. Like what's that insecurity really about? Mm-hmm which is, it's kind of a whole nother thing, but I think important to acknowledge. I like that you're incorporating breath work with the affirmation <laughs> yeah. and making it logical <laughs> all at the same time. I know. That's I do awesome. too. I know. I like it too. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that would be such just a helpful tip. Yeah. For all things. Totally. Not just like a presentation. Totally. I think one other way that you could do it, and this is easier is to think even though I'm really stressed right now or even though I'm overwhelmed right now on the in-breath, you could have a cue word such as just, I can relax or this will pass, mm -hmm. you know? That's true. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more factual than that. It is going to pass. Right. It's not going to stay forever. So being able to say like, this is temporary and really be able to believe that I think is cool. And you can just have it be a really, it could be a short term, like it could just be relax. Mm -hmm. It could be a really short statement, but it could be something that you have kind of all the time to yeah. use at all times, a little bit of a mantra. And I think when you're pairing the breath, remember it's, it's igniting that other sense again. So you're, by adding extra senses to the whole thing, I think that you're all consumed. Mm -hmm. You're way more distracted from the activating event and the thing that's bringing you that anxiety. Wow. Because you're thinking about, you know, working, you're working a little bit harder but to relax so it's enjoyable, it's pleasant. Yeah, yeah. ideally. Yeah, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always easy, is it? That's, it's yeah. hard. Public speaking, there's so many things that are triggering for people, and they are difficult. But this stuff really does help if you're willing to give it a go. Could we do something different and for 
the listeners right now, yeah. could you and I maybe like take a deep breath in yeah. and just like invite our listeners to say the statement that's giving them anxiety yeah. and then with the breath out yeah. say there what was the statement um, again it could be this too shall pass it could be i can relax it yeah. could be i've got this but i would say you know just for simplicity's sake today why don't we just say i deserve peace i love that let's yeah. do that yeah i deserve peace right now okay cuz everyone deserves peace we do okay Ready? yes deep breath in We deserve peace. We deserve peace. All, all the listeners deserve peace, too. You guys do, too. This is so good. We still have one more question. Sweet. <laughs> the last question that I'd like to touch on, also from one of our listeners, is this specific person, although I feel like it deals or it applies to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so this person is getting a little caught up in their insecurities Mm -hmm. and anxiety about the future. And they are oftentimes expecting the worst. Yeah. Or, you know, that was apparent in their message, right? They were just expecting the worst. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, I personally do that as well. I know others who do that. And I think it's just because the opportunity of being disappointed Mm-hmm. seems so awful mm-hmm. that you feel like, okay, I'm going to mentally prepare for the worst yeah, so that when the worst happens, I'm ready. I will be a little less disappointed <laughs> than I still can be handle disappointed. It. Totally. So how do you just like tackle that or yeah. Yeah. Some tips, not tricks. get caught, on, caught up in that? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I have so many, so many thoughts on this. This is so pervasive. This is everyone. It's so human. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that, right? Our brains, again, have been trying for as long as we've been alive to help us avoid uncomfortable things. It's the name of the game. So it makes sense. I think it's fair to reframe this a tiny bit because, again, I'm so glad that my brain is looking for bad stuff. It is keeping me alive. Not that it should be looking for bad stuff every single moment of every day and finding something. Mm -hmm. I know that that feels like it takes away from the enjoyment of life. You know, and there's something so important about being present and in the moment. I also think that changing our relationship with with the idea of anxiety in the first place is important. Anxiety is here for self preservation. It's here to help us. So in a sense, your brain is working really well, too well, if you will. <laughs> it's just working overtime. And so sometimes when people come in, they'll say, you know, oh, my brain, <laughs> something wrong with my brain. It won't stop. And I say, I say, I, I really, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just working really hard. It's working really well. And that's what's going on. And that does involve some discomfort. Mm-hmm. So important to change the relationship that we have with the idea of those thoughts. They feel negative. I will say it's important to follow these thoughts with next steps. 
with a plan. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the function of it in the first place, the brain is trying to protect us. It's trying to help us. And we are into it. We're like, yeah, let's try to cushion this. Mm-hmm. How can I make this less? Cushion the blow. Totally. Why wouldn't I want that? But in order to free ourselves from that just constantly spinning in our head, the negative, it's important to follow it up with the plan. That's why it's there. It's there as a call to action to prompt us to plan for that. Once you have your plan, you can say, thanks, that's enough. I know what I'm going to do. I've got this. I know I can handle that. Mm -hmm. I've actually encountered that. I know what to do when that happens to me. So let's say your fear is, could be negative evaluation. How about rejection? Big time. Big time. That's a, that's a big one. Okay. So the fear of rejection, let's say it's a first date. You're putting yourself out there. It's hard and scary. You're thinking about the worst possible scenarios. You're thinking through, you're going to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. So the most important thing is to say, what am I going to do if I slip up? What am I going to do if I, if I jumble my words? What if I stutter? A lot of people, it's not, you know, that they're stuttering all the time. It's just that they're worried that they're going to sound weird or they're, oh, even bigger, that they're going to sound nervous. Right. Right. This other person is going to see through me and they're going to know that I'm super anxious. If you've ever witnessed a person just be super transparent and say, I'm super nervous right now, it cuts the ice so much. There's something so cool about that. It's like such a confident way to just approach a situation that I admire it. I'm the first to say, though, that that's not how I handle it. It's too hard. Right. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I know, though, that humor cuts things. I can laugh at myself. I'm imperfect. I'm a human. I definitely stutter sometimes and I sometimes I jumble my words. And that's okay. So I'm going to make a plan that if I'm on the state and I stutter or if I sound nervous or I say something and my voice sounds weird, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to say that came out kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And the other person may or may not react negatively. If they react negatively, I'll try to think of another joke. I'll try to change the conversation immediately to something else. I'll ask them a question. I'll issue them a compliment. I'll do something low risk, a low risk interpersonal interaction. Mm -hmm. A compliment is always well received. People love to be complimented. They like to be flattered. You can't lose. You could always have that one in your back pocket. A question about them. Also something people always like. They want someone to be interested in them. It's flattering, it feels good. So pump up their ego a little bit in response. It'll take a little bit of the pressure off you. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives you a plan. It gives you something to fall back on and say, I know what I will do if I, if I mess up. Mm-hmm. So again, that whole notion of ruminating and being able to free yourself of those thoughts. Let's say you're aware of it your thought comes up it's important to have some self-talk back be able to say hang on I know what I'm gonna do there it's okay because I will just blank right let's say the thought is what if you screw up when you're talking to him for the first time Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's okay, brain. <laughs> you can say it however you want. Right. I would say, it's okay, brain. Mm-hmm. I've got it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the X, Y, Z. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll make a joke. If he acts weird, I'll, you know, I'll ask him a question and it'll totally change the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Our perceptions of other people's perceptions are dangerous. So if we're constantly thinking that they're going to think something negative about us, those thoughts get in the way of making the plan. It's important to actually make the plan. That's the key to anxiety, right? It's to be able Mm -hmm. to say, here's what I'm actually going to do, right? People who are nervous on flights and planes will make plans all the time for how you're going to react. People who are nervous about getting motion sick on planes will make a plan for that too. You make a plan for everything. And it's not that the anxiety 100% disappears. It's that you can respond to it in an appropriate way that doesn't allow it to take control of your life and make decisions for you. I want you to have control. I don't want your fear to have control. I don't want your anxiety to make all of your decisions for you. Right. But what if you're... But what if you (laughs) forget the plan in the moment? Yes, I know. And you might. And you might. You know, people don't give themselves enough credit. It's okay to mess up in the first place. And when you do mess up, it's okay to be transparent about messing up, A, with another person, because they're human too. And they probably are having just as many insecurities in the moment as you do. That's fair. We usually forget that. It's so hard to remember that that other person they are gonna be putting on as much confidence as they can muster. So they're doing their best to hide their anxiety too. So as long as you can remember, I mean, we are all human. There's not that much variance in how, in That's how we feel. so true. In a vulnerable situation like that, you betcha. They're definitely feeling it. Something kind of cool about being able to break the ice on an awkward situation. I actually have a colleague who intentionally inserts awkwardness. (laughs) He swears by it into every initial interaction he has with other people when he knows it's feeling like it's not, like it's uptight. Mm -hmm. Because it immediately makes other people feel at ease because he was the awkward one. There's something pretty cool about that. I know that doesn't, that's not what everyone's going to do. I don't do that. I just think it's kind of (laughs) cool that he does. There's so many ways of managing it. But he has a plan. He has something in his back pocket. He has a tactic. And if you're worried that you're not going to think of the right thing to say or the right joke to make, the right compliment, come up with one in advance. Mm -hmm. One that's pretty universal. If you look at outgoing people, all they've done is they've, they've made a practice of finding what works interpersonally with other people. So it's important to kind of come up with those things to have in your back pocket to use that is really 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 helpful advice especially since oftentimes when you go into a situation where it's a first date or perhaps a first presentation Mm -hmm. or maybe it's your hundredth presentation (laughs) inevitably there's pressure (laughs) pressure from your parents why aren't you married yet Mm -hmm. pressure from your coworkers. I really hope you crush this presentation pressure Mm -hmm. from your boss Mm -hmm. What if you mess up the presentation Mm -hmm. in front of your boss? Like, oh my gosh, there's just so much pressure. Mm -hmm. And it's just so crazy to 
I'm just like circling back now to what you said earlier, (laughs) just about not punishing yourself. Right. And just saying like, Hey, we're all, we're all human. And sometimes, I mean, granted, I'm not anywhere close to an expert. I just, I oftentimes find it hard to not forget about the pressure, but to like put it on the back burner for just a second Mm -hmm. and like be myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard. It's not something that totally goes away. You could be the expert at all these things. I mean, and technically, that me, would be hard. Me knowing, well, <laughs> me knowing these things and these practices doesn't mean that I'm perfect at it. I don't get really nervous when I public speak. It's hard. It's not easy, especially if you're not super practiced or, you know, anything like that. But it's human. So in an, you know, in theory, I'm okay with the idea of of that not being something that I'm altogether comfortable with. My brain is truly looking constantly for things that are going to make me uncomfortable because it's trying to protect me. Mm -hmm. So I have to, yeah, I have to acknowledge when that's happening and when it's holding me back. Mm -hmm. And then decide whether I really want it to or not. Right. Such a crucial moment. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So many good takeaways and great advice. And I love the breathing exercises. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of the helpful tips. Yeah, this has been this has been such a pleasure. It's so fun to be able to share this stuff out. Um, yeah, to, to people that I've you know never even met. I love the idea of that. It's just so cool. So the last small question that I have sure. that I just love asking interviewees is okay. what's one thing we can do to make the world a better place? <gasps> The first thing that comes to mind, I'll just say the first thing that comes to mind, it kind of relates to what we were talking about a minute ago because it's, it's about interpersonal connection. It's, that's one of the most important things in terms of being happy and living a life that you feel you know fulfilled in is connecting with others. It's what we're meant to do as humans. So to make the world a better place, the most important thing is to engage in pro-social behavior. It's just smiling at people. It's asking other people questions to help them feel valued. So it's small. It's people you don't know. So I'll be the first person on your podcast saying, talk to strangers, right? I love that. You know, you don't don't get told that very often. Don't Mm -hmm. talk to strangers. Well, in a safe environment, right? Like, you go to the grocery store, you see a cashier, they ask you how your day's going. You don't just say, good. You say, oh, it's great. You know, I'm doing this later. How are you? How's your day going? You ask another question. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the only times that's going to happen to them that day. That's a big deal. So it's engaging in those small acts of kindness, just interpersonally. You don't have to buy people presents. You don't have to, you know, do any huge gestures for people. It's about being kind in those little moments and just showing people that they're important. It really might be one of the most important things that happens to them all week mm-hmm. without knowing people's stories. And I mean, I get to hear a lot of people's stories and so many over the years. That stuff matters so much more than we realize. There are people who will pick up on that and they will hold on to it and it will save their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's my one thing for sure. Well, as I've been saying, it's just been such 
a pleasure and I feel so blessed to have you on here and there's just so many key takeaways that I'm sure will resonate with so many people here and how beautiful is it that people can reference this recording or reach out I to you it'd be so great so if somebody wants to learn more about a technique that you were referencing how yeah. can they reach you oh yeah I'd be so happy to talk with anyone let's see my my website you can contact me through there in any version so like any you know any method of contact like email or social media or anything it's sarahlucaslpc.com s-a-r-a-h l-u-c-a-s l-p-c as in licensed professional counselor dot com so there's a contact form on there my email's listed on there my phone number's on there text me and what is your instagram as well if people yeah um sarah ellen lu so s-a-r-a-h-e-l-l-e-n-l-u perfect there you go thank you yeah i'd be happy to talk to people well, I'm sad this is coming to an end. I know. Boo. We just covered so many, so many good habits uh-huh. and just how to approach things differently and change your mindset. So yeah. I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Really Such a pleasure. having you. Totally. Same. Yep. Thank you to all the listeners. I could not do this without all your support and I'm just truly blessed to have the opportunity to help the community grow in love and support. So season one, episode four, that's a wrap. Thanks everybody. Take care.